So another game week out of the way. And uh, yeah, my wildcard was played. I can't say that I'm too thrilled about it. Not bad, not great, just okay. But I suppose we build a wildcard for more than just one game week. So Greg, what was your game week like? Yeah, it was a tough one. I think uh, I think a lot of people struggled this week. The the lineups, there were a lot of lineups that surprised people. A lot of players left out. Yeah, I, we have clearly, club roulette now. Well, yeah, club kaleidoscope almost. So, um, <laughs> it, it it was it was difficult. I mean, I barely fielded eleven players. At one point, it looked like I was going to be lucky to get uh, eight or nine, uh, and then thank goodness, die actually ended up playing. But uh, yeah, I got fifty-two points. I took a four-point hit. So pretty much. Uh, you know, below average. The average was 55 this week. So, unfortunately, a red arrow for me. Yeah, same year. Well, I got 56 points on my wild card. Also, red arrows as well. It and you know, we know we we've been talking about it almost every week. Like it's been so high scoring since the beginning of the season, right? And when I looked at it and looked at which players hold, and if you look at it, it was Tony. Ismail Assar and then Salah's captain and so on, right? Yeah. You know, my theory about this whole thing is that a lot of dead teams from game week one or from preseason ended up flying up the rankings because if you look at the templates back then, or not templates, sorry, like the drafts, a lot of people were putting in players like Saar because he was good the last time he was in the Premier League and they were bringing in Tony because he was, you know, there was a lot of hype around him as well. And then Salah is captain. And if you think about it, just those three players alone were like, what, almost 60 points, over 50 points, right? So it's almost like if you have a dead team over there with those players in you, you would probably be touching 70 points. And, and I think those teams actually ended up inflating the numbers, the average points. Uh, last week because when I was looking at the FPL Game Week website you know they have like top 10k and legendary managers and so so on yeah. and the average was about say f in line with what we scored yeah. so the way I see it is that yeah it was actually players who are casuals who have neglected their teams who are now sitting with massive scores that they probably don't even know about because they just left the teams unattended so yeah, talk about not being knee-jerk at all on the opposite end <laughs> of the spectrum. Eh? It, it's, it is a lesson, though. I mean, for, for the guys that did pick Tony at the beginning of the season, um, you really do have to give your players a chance to come through. And uh, it's very difficult also to be very patient with them because there's only so much you can take before you have to you have to switch. But, uh, yeah, I think I think it's, it's, it's interesting how suddenly a tough week comes along and I mean I think I only had three players that returned points uh, I'm very happy that I got to 52 in the end I mean Salah captain I think was almost half my points um, and I brought in Rafinha if I hadn't done that it was literally my Livermento who was never supposed to play this week <laughs> coming in off the bench and, and getting another clean sheet which is now done twice which has been fantastic yeah no that was an awesome one so I remember we were briefly talking about it when I was discussing the fact that I'd activated my wildcard. And I think you mentioned the fact that the, one of the most frustrating things is activating your wildcard, getting your team out, and then your old team actually outscores your new team. Well, at least in this case, I think my new team outscored by about three or four points. <laughs> but I think the most frustrating part was 
James, Reese James being benched. Yeah. So, and then them getting a clean sheet on top of that was just a real kick in the balls, you know. And to if like I was so hoping that they have a clean sheet wipeout, but it didn't happen. But I think if I bank that say minimum six points over there, you know, just the appearance points and the clean sheet and got to sixty two, I would have just felt so much better about my week. Maybe it's just a psychological thing, yeah. but I'm not downbeat about my team. But talking about the wild card, I brought in Livramento for Timekas essentially, and they both scored five because they both got yellow cards. How's that for coincidence, right? <laughs> exactly. And they both would have ended up coming off the bench one way or another anyway yeah. to get us points. So yeah, it kind of even a lot of my my, my transfers guys kind of like evened out. And to be fair. Especially in this situation, well, one of the reasons why wildcard, I suppose, was that I didn't even want the Spurs players, let alone them being flagged, and then they both ended up playing anyway. Yeah. So that was a little bit annoying as well. But I think overall, looking at the team, you know, uh, I've Bamford and Ronaldo. You know, I'm using Ronaldo as a placeholder for Lukaku essentially. Um, they both returned. They both got, got got points on the board. Salah. It was like mostly the players that I already had, like Salah, Rafinha, and and so on, that who who, who returned for me. And well, actually, Livramento as well. So I can't rule him out of it. And uh, surprisingly enough, from my old team, Bachman didn't play, and Foster was my sub keeper ended up playing and i think got like three points or something like that over there so uh yeah I, but i think all you know you know where i stand at the moment i'm still happy with my wild card because even looking at my old team i wouldn't have been happy with them going into game in the next game week anyway so yeah i, I think I'm, I'm fairly content with my decision to activate the wild card so far yeah, I think that's key. Like, you, you can't, when a bad week does roll around, it's more important what your team looks like for the week shaking, shaping up. And uh, if you're still happy with it, then then there's, you know, they're always going to be bad, these these crazy game weeks where players don't play and you struggle to field a, an 11. But I, I think it is a, a big warning for the season that having a maybe a slightly stronger bench is, is going to make sense. There's going to be rotation there's going to be rotation heavily in city it looks like there's going to be a, a you know some decent rotation in chelsea and now liverpool which none of us were expecting um so i think it's key to have probably two reasonable bench players that you can rely on to come off and uh, certainly one that's 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 going to be you know i think stronger than what i would have planned for had i used my wild card now uh i think i'm, I'm actually starting to think about choosing one of these cheaper midfielders that, that seem to be performing very well this season and, and possibly having a rotation of three of them with two of them playing and one one being benched um, just giving you that extra depth because it kind of feels like these weeks are going to be maybe more often than, than not this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you because the one thing that I've noticed that's different especially with Klopp this season well, obviously, the first few weeks, generally, managers don't rotate because there's only one fixture per week or whatever. But once the Champions League start, once the League Cup kicks off as well, you know, the, then we start to see a little bit more rotation amongst among some of the teams. But in the now it looks like Klopp is getting in on it as well. <laughs> That's quite yeah. an interesting one because 
generally, especially when it came to the premiums, they were like fairly fixed in team. Look, okay, well, Trent was a different story where he was ill, so he wasn't rotated as such, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the the supporting cast and i know we were talking about it offline as well where you said you brought in joe matip for this week right and yeah uh, and he didn't play as well so yeah i, I think he, what you're saying is, is so you know could definitely be a determining factor in how we go about playing our wild cards in my case i decided to go for macarthur because i felt okay he's bench fodder but he at least gives me two points which i'm kind of content with from a 4.5 million midfielder but i think for me like players like livramento playing regularly now and then my last player on the bench is uh, uh omo bamidele from uh, norwich he's been playing in quite infrequently but i think so but he's the last player on the bench so i'm kind of like it, it's fine you know but either way i think yeah it's important to at least especially when this bonus of having players like livramento come along you've got to take it because it looks like like you said we are going to need it yeah exactly a little bit more depth this season i think yeah yeah that's right and you know i, I was looking at your model last week as well when players like willock were coming around at 6 million and now he's 5.9 his price has dropped and you know because i was keeping an eye on him and i suppose even da- players like uh, emmanuel dennis um, you know at 5.5 am i going to put saint maximin in in that group of players at 6.7 as a forward possibly but uh, i mean they definitely do come into consideration if you do want that budget if you're looking for these budget enablers in your team Yeah, uh, there there are a number of them floating around and uh it's just going to be interesting to see which ones are flash like sort of fly, fly by nights like this, you know, a couple of game weeks do really well and everyone transfers them in and which ones last and uh some of them like it's it's it is interesting from the stats and the model point of view a guy like Gray um mainly I think because of his his minutes have been so limited even in past seasons um but he's he's certainly up there in the top 25 at the moment um and so to try and find the ones that really make sense is going to be key i mean ben rama's also floated into the top 25 now um so i think we can start to really look at like ben rama gray um rafinha we already know is a great option um and then you know i, th- I think also like, the defenders seem to be scoring pretty highly the 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 sort of premiumish defenders um and i think once game week 7 starts i think chelsea are just too good to ignore and i think there might be a might be a few double ups floating around alonso he's played every minute so far and uh he has been he was almost playing left wing i think for most of that game against spurs imagine and, having chance and alonso in your team what a yeah, dream and if you have a triple dreams. up or if you have a triple of uh, trent alonso and cancelo i think that is like the dream defense in fpl because at that price point as well it just makes so much sense because when i'm looking at cancelo at 6 million alonso at 5.7 i can't think of any midfielders that i'd want at that price well look obviously it generally works that way in fpl Mm-hmm. But when I say it that way, I'm not just talking about clean sheets. I'm talking about the potential to really haul big. Yeah. Even the the looking at the midfielders around seven seven point five and so on, 
yes you got Jota, Greenwood, those guys but to be honest with you like I would rather have Cancelo and Alonso at the moment than having a than having Greenwood and Jota and I know well Greenwood seems like a stretch because he's only blanked in one week but looking at his upcoming fixtures the the premium defenders just look so great value at the moment that they may just act as budget enablers to possibly get those crazy three premium <laughs> setups, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, bedded in, you know, if you want Ronaldo, Lukaku and Salah in your team. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it, it's giving your, your team a lot more depth and it's and it's giving you that that option to, like you said, go go for the three premiums. So I think a few people might be considering that and, and looking at possibly even starting four defenders and, and sort of a change of thinking. But the, the models that, that, that I've built certainly reacted to it. Uh, Alonso, um, you know, Trent's always been up there, but now, and, and Alonso and James have always been forecast to, to do very well, uh, you know, once, once game week seven rolls up. But in, in the top 25 players at the moment, we've got Alonso, Trent, J- uh, James, uh, and Thiago Silva's popped up, and 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 obviously you know Rudiger as well. But I mean, it all depends on 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 the minutes that these guys are going to get. Um, Rudiger seems like he's he's and, and Alonso as well, yeah, fairly yeah. nailed on. Um, and the and the performance from Alonso, I can't really see uh, Chilwell really you know breaking through there unless Alonso gets rested for for some Champions League. I games. think you just jinxed it. You just broke Alonso and Rudiger for everyone <laughs> else. Now you're gonna say he's nailed, and then and then after they're gonna be dropped on the weekend. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, uh, I suppose that's why I was so frustrated with Reese James on, on on the weekend, and I just hope as a result now I must actually go and check the prices. I hope his price doesn't drop from now until the week because I'd be absolutely livid because. I'm probably going to monitor, you know, obviously I brought him in on a wild card now, so it, it would be crazy to, you know, to transfer him out now. So I'd want to give him a chance to see how often he actually plays. But if he's becoming a massive rotation risk and Alonso continues to play, then that may be an easy move to, to move from James to Alonso. I mean, even if Alonso's price goes up, I really don't care because... I mean, I think it's fairly set in stone that I will be moving Ronaldo over to Lukaku anyway, which yeah. means I'll have some money in the bank. Well, right now I have nothing in the bank, so I can't even do that type of move. But um, yeah, I, I'll just need to keep an eye on that situation because I suppose in that price bracket, it does at least allow you the flexibility to move quite easily to other players. But it's really a transfer that I just don't want to make at the moment. But there's only so much of rotation risk I can take, especially at that price. Yeah, I, I would I would hang on to James for the moment. I think uh, I think he was rested for that game, and I, and I think there are going to be certain players where you know, like we spoke about, they're going to play four out of five or three out of four, and this is where potentially you need to to have a stronger bench for when that happens yeah um, and like there's not much said, you can do about it yeah you know exactly and like you said the double up on chelsea defenders definitely becomes an option similar to city's defenders last year yeah no i think it looks good from game week seven it's, uh, it's something that i'm almost certainly going to do but it, it just depends on whether i click that wild card button at the moment <laughs> at the moment it doesn't i'm trying desperately not to and i've you know one of the big plans that i had uh, was to avoid it and uh you know hence hence the matchup transfer which was really only a three week three week double up on on liverpool's great defensive fixtures and then you know a guy that i thought was 
almost certainly nailed on suddenly uh, suddenly didn't play but I don't think I don't expect him not to play for the for the games that I need him going forward so it's not going to change my thinking at all I think uh, he'll I, play this weekend yeah I think he'll play and I think it's you know it's it's one of those things where when it happens you just have to go you're unlucky there's nothing you can do about it it's, <laughs> it's a bit of variance in the game yeah I don't and know. and it move happens, forward with yeah. your plan yeah yeah, look, that's why I'm not too downbeat about James as well, because he's such a good player anyway, that there's no way that Thomas Tuchel is not going to play him at least every second or third game or whatever it is. So I think it'll be a fair split between him and Aspilicueta as well. I don't think that it'll ever be a case where James just drops out, I mean, because he's, he seems to be quite highly rated as well anyway. So that shouldn't mm. be, uh, I mean, I say highly rated, so that sounded so generic, highly rated <laughs> by Thomas Tuchel specifically. So it's not a, just going to be a case where he just disappears and, and then, well, if he does, like I said, there is a contingency plan, but I'm fairly confident that he'll still do well over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think he'll play. He'll play most games, I reckon. Um, you know, they had Aspilicueta to playing uh, playing wing back this time, and I think the majority of the time he's going to be playing. Um, you know, in one of the one of the central roles, and yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about James. You can assess it if it if it continues to happen a little bit more often than you like, and then you and then you, I think basically you got to just move towards the guys that are that are less rotation risks, and if you find yourself in that in that situation. Uh, and it starts to happen a little bit more more than you can stomach then uh, then you just make that switch i'm going to treat it like the situation like last season i had stones and cancelo double mm. up for for a big period i mean most of us did but i'm going to treat it in the same way because i feel like when these players play they more than make up for the that one game or two games that they'll miss within 10 games and if you look at something like i was just trying to assess my transfers the other day as well and i looked at the fact that i moved white onto dyer and then dyer got me seven points in the first game and then one point in the next game and then i i asked myself was this a good or bad transfer and because i transferred him out on my wildcard anyway and i thought actually you know what for a short-term transfer it actually didn't work out too bad because he averaged four points per game and if you think about it, if a defender, especially a four and a half million defender is giving you four points per game, you see that as some type of gold in your team because, I mean, four points per average for a defender per game is, is really quite good. And if you're looking at the numbers that these guys are putting up, like Stones and Cancelo last year, or now even the Chelsea defenders and so on, even the likes of Trent and, I mean, even Virgil put up 12 this past weekend, right? Yeah. With that amount that they're giving you, I mean, they could miss two games or three games out of 10, and they'll still far outscore the players who play 10 out of 10 a lot of the times. Yeah, I mean, as long as you've got guys coming off the bench and No, and, sure, and definitely, definitely, I think, that's I think right. It for yeah. sure is, it's for sure the way to go. Yeah, yeah and, and I suppose maybe that will be one of the reasons to be deterred maybe away from this three premium situation that we're seeing a lot of people trying to get into. And I know I, whenever I speak about the three premiums, I kind of like say it with such scorn, you know, like, like look down on the whole thing. But really, you know what? Each, each season and each situation, you know, has, has these, each season has these situations with, where you presented with a different, you know, a unique set of circumstances. 
and as the more i think about it the more i think you know what this 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 three premium situation isn't as bad as as i might make it seem especially if you if you're willing to sacrifice one or two other areas you could have quite a very good team and still be able to play with the three premiums yeah there doesn't seem to be a lot um sort of mid-range at the moment you know that yeah, that yeah. seven like like we spoke about that 7.5 million to let's say 10 million zone it's, it's quite bare this season so it, it almost does open itself up for that where you can you know load yourself with these guys that uh, might be slight rotation risks but you know as long as you've got cover you're fine yeah. and and fit in the big guys and um yeah that, that might be the might be the route to go yeah i'm still not a fan of the four defenders thing because like you know we we've discussed it before i've done it at the beginning of the season i wasn't happy with the results because i always felt like i was five or six point short or seven or eight point short or whatever it is by not having that extra attacker in my team and just playing with the six attackers but i suppose you know yeah you know like i said each it's each season has its own unique set of circumstances and it just might be that one this season especially with the fact that even guys like son and kane are also expensive so it's not like last season where son and kane combined with 3.5 million cheaper than 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 this season yeah. so that you know it it has its own issues and the guys who are in that 9 9.5 million bracket like sancho and uh, mares and a few others they aren't performing that well either so it's an, it, they become non-entities right now yeah for sure yeah man and then i think the biggest frauds in not just in fpl but in epl at the moment is world i don't know what to do with them i'm so tired of them right now they're really wearing my patience then because from going from xg united they absolutely just put in a, such a poor performance against Brentford. But they still have one or two good fixtures coming up. I mean, we've spoke, spoken about this before. But what you make about, have you? did you watch that Brentford game by any chance? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so frustrating. The, the, I've got a double up at the moment with uh, Trincar and, and Jimenez. And I mean, it's, it's, I would love not to have any of them at the moment. Um, but it's, I'm sort of being forced into it just with, with the transfers I made. And oh, I mean, I, I, all I want to do is click the wildcard button to get rid of my Wolves players. But <laughs> I, like I you said... I unwildcard yeah, to get them out. <laughs> I, it's, it's frustrating because um they, their fixtures are so good and you know their fixtures coming up are so good and i think I, personally i have to hold them at least until the newcastle game um you know that newcastle leeds game was was a wild wild game how that yeah, game ended up one one yeah. was i mean it was beyond me how, how i was so frustrated with rafinha towards the ending of the first half why didn't he shoot earlier oh, oh my gosh I was screaming at screaming at the TV. This was the guy that I <laughs> that I transferred in for a hit, and uh, when you, when I clicked on 30 minutes into the game and he'd scored, I felt like, oh, this is going to be one of those brilliant game weeks. And then, uh, yeah, I think when he didn't shoot there, I, I was I was just I mean I was screaming, come on, just shoot! And he he took forever, and just <laughs> uh, it's frustrating. But he got himself into some great positions. 
the game was wide, wide open, and it looks like basically anyone playing Newcastle or Leeds at the moment, the game's going to be in a similar vein. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to hold on to the Wolves guys at least until Newcastle. Um, and then hopefully I'll have some transfers in the bank then to be able to, to make some changes if I need to. Yeah, look, as much as I'm frustrated with them because I had Saez who got subbed at halftime, so I ended up with the minus one because he got a yellow card as well on top yeah. of it. Yeah. And then to and then Raul Jimenez, I don't even want to go there because he had a, a headed towards the end, but he could have realistically had two assists in that game if Traore finished better and I think one was for Trinka or was it both for Traore but I think it was small margins but I mean you know what if we have to go into hypotheticals we'll be speaking here for the for the next year or whatever it is right it's just it just doesn't work that way yeah but it's like the numbers don't lie about them either because I'm, I'm just looking at the stats on on, on uh, fantasy football scout over here as well and the 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 high the so the looking at the xg numbers so liverpool have the highest xg with 13.45 they've got 12. city have 12.01 as the xg and they've got 11. and then the next up is Wolves with 9.19 xg and they've scored twice yeah it's dismal <laughs> it really is dismal especially when you've owned Wolves players for so long like me. <laughs> yeah, they by far they by, they by far the most underperforming team regarding XG. To to put it into context, the next biggest underachievers are Arsenal, who have an XG of five point seven three and they've only scored twice. So I mean, it's not even the 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 variance the uh, bit, you know the delta between Wolves uh, is seven point one nine between XG and actual goals. It's it's really it's it's so frustrating, you know, looking at, at what happened over there. And, you know, we we you know we were talking about reversion to the mean last week when we were, you know, on on last week's episode of the podcast. But yeah, I mean, in this case, I don't know what reversion to the mean actually means for wolves is it meaning actually matching the xg or will the xg start matching the actuals um uh, i just i i I just don't know what to make of them at the moment yeah it's tough and if you if you haven't brought anyone in i think it's it's definitely there's no there's nothing that that makes you want to bring a wolves player into your team at the moment yeah look we spoke about it last week as well. They still have two more. I think they've got Norwich and Newcastle up left. Uh, 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 Southampton away and then, and then Newcastle. Southampton. Yeah. You know, Southampton, you know, we, we were speaking about them, I think, earlier in the season. But I must say, for what it's worth, they've done so well. I mean, now three fixtures against Manchester United, against West Ham and, and, then, and now City. Top six teams and they've put in such great shifts in all of those games. Where to the point where we have to start maybe taking them a little bit more serious in terms of not seeing them as the walkover as we did maybe a few weeks ago when Vestergaard left. Yeah, it's it's surprising. I mean, to 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 get a clean sheet against um, against City is is a very impressive uh, feat. I mean, my fixture uh, ticker rated that obviously very good for for uh, City from an attack perspective and very bad for Southampton from a defence perspective. And if we look at just even the first five weeks so far, um, the average number of goals scored in those, in that fixture class is 2.86, which is huge. Um, 
So you can imagine for them to keep a clean sheet uh, under those circumstances is 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 insane. Yeah, de- definitely. And it's not even like you know the goalkeeper ended up getting ten saves and and three bonus points. City only had one shot on target all game, you know. So mm. Southampton had two shots on target for what it's worth. And looking at the expected goals conceded, they actually sit somewhere in mid table. They Southampton just got six point five one expected goals, and they've conceded six. So it's not like they're vastly over or underperforming. They're sort of performing to the mean anyway, yeah. which is actually, I suppose, good news to a certain extent because it kind of gives us. I uh, look. It is only five game weeks, so it's still a very small sample. We'll only see that in in another five game weeks or so. But I suppose it's something that we can look at and think, okay, this isn't actually too bad, especially for Livramento owners now. Yeah, I mean he's been fantastic for me. I, you know, it, it was it was one of, probably one of the better picks that I had preseason, and uh, I mean to get two clean sheets off the bench in two weeks. Uh, I can't ask for more from a, from a four, <laughs> four million defender when I, when I picked him in the beginning. Um, You'd be happy with that from Trent, a letter, you know, <laughs> just to get you clean sheet points, even if he doesn't get your attacking returns. Yeah, exactly. And yet you're getting that from a four point. Now I think he's like four point two or whatever it is, you know. And looking at Southampton's fixtures, I actually wanted to go through that. So next up, they have Wolves, which now I have size in my starting eleven, and I have Livramento. In, on my bench and I'm actually thinking I should have it the other way around <laughs> well I mean I think the the model still well actually it's it's pretty close now and I think with the updated model um, Wolves are only slightly better than than Southampton for that game defensively uh, Wolves are at uh, minus 0.19 so that's obviously the bigger the minus the better for for defense and Southampton are at minus 0.09 so there's almost nothing in it it really does come down to to who to you preference prefer. yeah i'm going with the feeling of that i'm you know wolves have just worn me thin to the point where i'm just tired of them and i'd rather go with the southampton players at the moment <laughs> but looking at the southampton fixtures they've got wolves up next then they've got chelsea in game week seven do you know okay fine i know we you know we, we're not doing a game week seven preview at the moment but yeah. there's that does that maybe make us rethink captaining Lukaku against Southampton in game week seven? I think that's a game week seven problem, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, we're going to have more dates by the time we get there. Um, as it stands, if I if I look at my model at the moment for game week seven, I can actually tell you what, what it says. Um, let's have a look here. It's still got Lukaku as the big favourite. Um, Ronaldo in second and, and Salah in third. Look, so. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Day, looking at the fixtures anyway, to be honest with you. But I think the reality of it is that Southampton have just been doing much better than we've we've been giving them credit for. They've been really quite good. Yeah, yeah they have been good. And I, you know, it's 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 always nice when that when you when you do see those opportunities for those teams. But Chelsea have been outstanding, and I think I would yeah. I would I would back. The, the, I mean, the strength yes, of Chelsea more than the, more than the improvement from from Southampton. Yeah, no, no, sure, definitely. And look, to be fair, Southampton haven't won a game yet, so <laughs> all season. Yeah, but so I think they'll take they'll take those points for sure. What they what they've ended up getting versus top six teams. Yeah, no, sure, definitely, definitely. But looking at the fixtures, they've got Wolves in game week six, then they've got Chelsea in game week seven, and then after that, Leeds, who we'll get to a little bit more just now. 
Burnley, Watford, Villa, Norwich. I don't think that that's not a bad run at all, especially if you're deciding maybe to go Adam Armstrong as well. In, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I think there might be a few uh, few Southampton players that pop up on the radar there for, for that little stretch. Um, I think they've got some some decent midfielders as well, and, and, and all very uh, very well priced. So it'll be interesting. Um, you can have Armstrong and Armstrong in your team, both <laughs> from Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> nice to do that. Yeah, to do that little double, the little yeah, double up with the, the double, double up, up, you know. Yeah, and then just to see that the one Armstrong return and the other didn't, you know, and then if you only have one of them, you won't know whether to celebrate or not, you know. <laughs> Almost like VAR, you'll have to decide, okay, let me check which Armstrong return first. Before. Yeah. Now, look, uh, yeah, no, that, that for me is quite... Uh, you know a nice one turning up where we can look for some bargain options over there and then also like the likes of che adams might come into our thinking as well at some point in time and then you know talking about leads now again you know they we want to give them the benefit of the doubt i suppose they've got west ham up next which is a bit of a difficult one but watford southampton world's knowledge so that's a good run of fixtures right up until game week 10. yes and I mean, I, I suppose if there's any time to have a group, you know, Leeds players, it's probably now. And but still, like I look at them and, and I'm still not convinced. Like I don't think they're as bad as Wolves, but they don't fill me with that confidence either. Like you know, where I'm really convinced. Okay, you know what? This is. It's just a matter of time that they're gonna bang, and then everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, I mean, I think Leeds attackers are still looking pretty decent. I mean, they're not they're not clinical and they're not scoring huge goals, but they got created a lot of chances in that game yeah. against Newcastle. So I, I'm pretty happy having Rafinha in my team. Uh, I would definitely consider bringing Bamford in as well. Um, but from a defensive point of view, I think uh, I think you're going to struggle. I think it does look like um, <laughs> Leeds and Newcastle are not, are not teams that you want to be selecting defenders from at this stage. Yeah, I've just ignored the defenders as well. I've got yeah. Rafinha and Bamford in my team at the moment. That was part of my... Well, I had Rafinha already since game week one. But bringing Bamford in on my wildcard and both of them returning at the same time was actually quite a good feeling to kick yeah. off my, my wildcard week. You know, so... Yeah, I think that was one of the... You know, we, we always take these small positives out of, out of our <laughs> game weeks as well. I think that was one of them, I suppose. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, looking at the expected goals conceded, Newcastle still at the top. They've been at the top since the beginning of the season at 11.95. Norwich at second, no surprises, at 10.64. And then Leeds at third, 10.20. Now, the team in fourth is Arsenal. At 10.05 but the good news is for people who want to have arsenal defenders in their team is that the last two games against norwich and burnley so you know really giants of the game over there i suppose they that they only conceded and expected goals of one essentially just one point something in each of the games so it does show that there is a bit of improvement from arsenal especially in the weaker fixtures as well yeah, and they've got, I mean, they've got decent fixtures coming up, so I'm, I'm not rushing to bring Arsenal defenders into my team, but uh, I think game week eight, they've got a good run. They've got Crystal Palace, Villa, Leicester, uh, Watford, and they all seem to be pretty, pretty decent fixtures for them defensively. Um, 
So let's let's see how they do against Spurs and Brighton. I think um, that that that'll possibly give us give us the information we need to to whether we're ready yet to take the plunge back into into Arsenal players. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I say same here. Like I feel fine. It's two game weeks against two attacks that have been quite atrocious this season anyway. Mm. But we, you know, we I think we need a little bit of a bigger sample to determine whether Arsenal are serious contenders. I suppose it it goes it feeds into the narrative of you know when you, if you have rotating defenders and playing the fixtures, then somebody like Arsenal will still work for you anyway. Yeah, I mean, Crystal Palace and, and Watford fixtures definitely look like good ones. Yeah. Um, so it can't hurt having having one of the guys, one of the Arsenal players in your defensive rotation. Um, you know, Wolves were the ones that everyone was targeting and they've been horrendous. So it just shows you that I, th- I think, you know, I would definitely be, be leaning towards premium defen- defensive options at this point. Um, if you can If you can get the... Like we're almost the dream team that we spoke of, uh, Trent and Alonso and Cancelo, or doubling up on some of the the Chelsea guys. I think I think that might be the way to go. I, I'll yeah, yeah. definitely be be looking at that. If if I was doing my wild card this week, I'd be looking at that over sort of a cheap defensive rotation. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely, and especially now with the four four points in the low four million uh, options emerging, it just acts as such a great enabler as well. Mm, exactly. I mean, it doesn't. If one of the guys doesn't play and you've got Livermento coming off you, off Perfect. the bench, it's, it's almost a gu- it's almost a guaranteed clean sheet at the moment. Yeah, he's essential. Livermento is essential. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) So, looking at the other end of the spectrum of expected goals conceded, City have the best defensive record so far in terms of that 2.61 expected goals conceded. They've only conceded once on the opening day of the league against Spurs. So, that's why I suppose, I mean, we've been talking so much about Cancelo and that's one of the great reasons why you would want to have him because, again, yes, you know, you don't rely on as much as maybe on like how much we rely on Trent to get attacking returns. But with can, someone like Cancelo in your team, you know, the, the possibility of getting some bonus points in there as well and attacking return just increases quite a bit as well. Yeah, and he's been good. He's got, uh, I think, a few assists and, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, he seems to he seems to be one of the more attacking uh, City defenders. So. I think I mean not, we're not can't compare to Alonso left wing. Um, no, he was, no, we can't he, compare uh, to that. He could have he could have scored three goals last <laughs> week against Spurs. I mean, it was quite scary watching the game as a non-owner. You just you just just hoping that things didn't go in. Yeah, definitely, they're definitely. So yeah, so that's I mean, just based on this numbers alone, it looks great reason. Great reason to bring in any city defender who actually plays regularly, mm. but in terms of Cancelo specifically, it's attacking returns we're looking at. And then next, the second lowest goals conceded, expected goals conceded, is Brentford, which where the, the nothing's changed from last week. We've st- we've got to start giving them credit. Look, they play Liverpool this weekend, so hopefully we can double that and make it six expected goals conceded <laughs> by next week. But it's definitely one of those things where I start looking at it and think, okay, well, you've got the Ronaldo captaincy option essentially if you do have Ronaldo against Villa. But Salah against Brentford, is it looking that good considering these Brentford numbers? I mean, you have to take note of the, of, of how good they've been. Um, they Their numbers are just insane and they've, their defence has been really, really good. So... 
a lot of people are considering not captaining uh, Salah for this fixture, but I think you know, for, I think from a number standpoint, I think it's still still pretty mad. I think Salah is just his numbers are just so phenomenal, and you combine that with the number of goals that Liverpool are scoring, and even though Brentford have been so good in defence, I think. I think it would be a mistake not to captain yeah, Salah. Salah could probably score from 0.001 xG and then it changes everything. Yeah, as well. I, I, his conversion has just been so good. I mean, this season I think he's sitting at, uh, on my model, of a delta of about 137%. So, I mean, that's that's really, really good stuff. Yeah, I know. He's just been amazing and he looks so up for it. And, and yeah, even with the yellow cards for taking off his shirt and so on, I'd let him have it. You know, he deserves it. So, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Klopp, Klopp was just laughing that one off. I don't think he minded too much. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And the one team that I definitely want to look at is is Villa. Now, they're sitting third on expected goals conceded, probably, um, you know, from, I think maybe, the, was it the game against Watford or Chelsea, where I don't where they conceded quite a few high-quality chances. But they have expected goals conceded of 4.27. They've conceded seven. But uh, Leon Bailey's cameo against Everton, Everton was just something so special, man. He he just came on and he decided, you know what, today is his day. Yeah, I, I missed the game, unfortunately, but... Um... I missed I didn't the expect... 10 minutes. I went to the yeah. kitchen. It was no no. I came back and it was 3 no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was very surprised that uh, I mean, uh, that Everton didn't score. It was, uh, you know, looking just looking at the results. And, he uh, had a good chance. He yeah. should have scored. And he also had another cross that he flashed across, uh, across, the, across the box. And, you know, just millimeters away, I think, from Rondon and it could have been a goal. But, yeah, small margins again. But, yeah, I, I think Everton could have had a chance, you know, had one or two chances. But, yeah, you know, that just that cameo there from Leon Bailey. He ended up going off injured after like 20 minutes. But it was such one of the most impactful performances I've ever seen in my life <laughs> in football. It was absolutely incredible. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to check out the highlights from that then. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've actually been away, so I'm actually getting back. And, uh, oh, okay. And there, right, there are quite, right, a f- yeah. quite a few of, few of the st- like, uh, sort of, uh, games that I need to catch up on. But uh, you know, I, I managed to watch a lot, which was, which was great. But you know, it's, always, it's always tough when, you, when you're not in your usual environment. To, to f- I love to watch every game if I can. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't, didn't quite get everything this weekend. Yeah, look, it's he he, he he got a standing ovation from his home fans. But he literally came on, got an assist, scored a cracker, then pulled his hammy and went off. But it was it was one of those performances that I think even if you're playing at an opposition ground, that even the home fans will probably stand up and applaud you anyway if you're going <laughs> off because it was, was just that it, it it was amazing it it's it's one of those probably look I mean I won't overkill it and say one of the best 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 performances but it's probably one that will stick with me for a while because it was quite impactful you know it was really really brilliant to see a player come on for 20 minutes and just do that and be like okay yeah um, that's awesome I'm, I'm, I'm done you know yeah, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, so looking at the XG data, so looking at it over there, I mean, we spoke about uh, Liverpool City and then Wolves coming in at third. West Ham is fourth, actually, 8.98. And they scored 11 goals now. So, yeah, just marginal uh, overperformance, which is kind of expected in, in, in this case. And then Chelsea with the XG of 8.17 and 12 goals. 
So looking at the players who are, I mean, so not the players, but the teams who are vastly overperforming their, their XG at the moment, or not vastly, but who are there in terms of variance. So Manchester United topped the list where they have an XG of 8.01, but they scored 13, so that's a difference of 4.99. And, and Chelsea is next up, so no surprises there, with the XG of 8.17, and they've scored 12. So so them, Manchester United and Chelsea have very similar numbers, but the next up is third. Uh, in third, Everton is... Is is seven point four seven with the X, XG and then ten goals scored. So yeah, in, interesting numbers there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think Everton, they still don't, they still don't quite convince me. There's, there's just something that like I, I don't mind spending the five point eight for for Gray, it's but I, Everton, I, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it's just maybe it's just because I'm a Liverpool supporter. <laughs> and, it's and, Everton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Same. Yeah. Look. I suppose with them again it comes down to the track record you know we you you want to see this happening regularly before you convince that you want to take the plunge of those players yeah exactly yeah and then uh look no the the one thing that i noticed that i, w- I was just looking at it because i, I generally t- don't pay too much attention to the expected goals from set plays but i thought it interesting that i just mentioned it because and and, and put it out there okay so, okay, let me ask you this. Who do you think is the highest, has the highest XG from set plays? You maybe saw it already, but if you haven't or you haven't taken notice of it, who, who, who would you say has the highest XG from set plays? That's an interesting one. I, I haven't seen it. Um, if I had to guess, it would... I, I was going to say Arsenal, but they haven't scored many goals. So... Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not uh, sure. You, you you're me... probably not gonna. You you probably won't yeah. be surprised by this answer at all. But it's actually yeah. Burnley, <laughs> because okay. you know well, Tarkovsky and me and those giants over there in their team. But yeah. the second best is Liverpool at three point six. So Burnley three point seven. Liverpool at three point six. And it just makes me think that the fact that it just shows okay, fine. You know, obviously you need somebody at the end of it to actually convert those chances as well mm. but it might also point to the fact that when pick, when 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 looking at fullbacks especially or players like trent simikas robo or, 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 or guys who are taking set pieces it's in, or especially if you're looking for budget enablers you know that f- those 4.5 midfielders that you're hoping might come off one time this might be a good differentiating factor factor at some point in time to look at the expanded expected goals from set plays if you're looking for those guys to just be benched for the times yeah i mean for sure i i mean if, if that's the case it, uh, it definitely gives trends even it's even more reason not to not to get rid of trains in the wild card exactly i mean just looking at that i was so impressed because when i look at xg from open play uh i I suppose not surprising to a certain extent that city top it with 9.36 but in second it's from open play alone liverpool at 9.06 so if you look at it over there i mean the it just shows what a threat uh, liverpool carry from set pieces yeah, that, that's huge. And uh, yeah, you've got pretty much uh, Robbo and, and Trent firing those corners in all the time. So yeah, I think I think maybe moving from a, 
a Chelsea double up to a Liverpool double up at some stage might might become an option. Yeah, um, it definitely. If the fixtures are good, it definitely yeah. would be a double up at some uh, a consideration for double up at least. Or yeah. we can just go with five defenders, two Liverpool, two <laughs> two Chelsea, yeah. one City. You know, and then have three premiums up front. We sorted uh, 100 points every week coming in. Yeah, now look, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I was just looking through those numbers today and then I just found it quite fascinating that take away the, the XG from set plays and it shows that, okay, in open play, Liverpool are actually doing so well also to actually finish off chances there. But uh, the the... Like you say, the full batter Liverpool become so important in your consideration for, for premium defenders. And even someone like Timikas, if you want to carry him on your bench as a last option, it may just be worth it if he's going to get this. You know, if we start, what did you call it earlier? Was it not Klopp? Kaleidoscope. Klopp Kaleidoscope. Wow, man. <laughs> if, that, if that becomes a thing, you might have an option in Timikas coming off your bench to get you some points as well. Yeah, you feel like Klopp's almost trying to reward him for for how well he played in those in those games and Robbo was injured. But yeah, I know. think so as well. I, I definitely agree with you there because I think it's a case of you know what these guys are playing so well. I mean, uh, did you see Nabi Keita's goal though? Wow, what she's a, what a screamer! Yeah, yeah. I think the celebration was better actually. You know, <laughs> I, I like the celebration more. The, the straight yeah. face goal that was yeah, uh, yeah. it's quite impressive. It's a bit like having you know when you have to have the straight face tequila and uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the emotion that must be going through you after scoring a goal like that must be yeah. massive. Yeah, no, no. That that was the probably the highlights of my weekend for me was was was. Uh, was Keita's celebration over there. <laughs> yeah, look, um, so, so, some interesting numbers popping up over here in terms of in individual players. I just saw that um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo now has the highest XG from all individual players. So that's, I suppose, not surprising because, I mean, he does take up a fairly central position in the box. He's, he's, he's playing as a poacher essentially now as well. Yeah. So, I mean... I'm not going to say now, you know, be overly surprised by that type of stat as well. But yeah, to to, to see, uh, but I suppose from an FPL perspective, that's good news. Yeah, if you're an older owner, that's fantastic news. I mean, he's played 180 <laughs> minutes and, and everyone else has played 450. So it's yeah. it's it's a huge, huge statistic. Um, he, he's, his conversion rate is, is only 90% though, which is... Um, you know, it's it's a lot it's a lot lower than we used to from Ronaldo. So, yeah, yeah. Um, he could have had a few penalties. I mean, they they were all manufactured pe penalties, and I think the refs did really well not not to give them as it happened. But I, I would expect that you know he's he's going to win a few. He's he's very smart in the way he tries to do it, and uh, I think I think he w I think it was a little bit too obvious this this week on what he was trying to do. One of them could have been given yeah. at least the first one possibly, but yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a fine line. Once we start talking about those type of things, you could probably go back and scrap off ninety percent of penalties, maybe. And I think it probably speaks to more the poor officiating in the game than mm. anything else. But we know? we can see the change for this for this season is is a massive one because last season there's no doubt that everything would have been awarded. And uh, yeah. this season there's a even with the, a lot of the fouls and um, you know infield like but between the box fouls. There's a lot more that's getting waved on and uh, the refs really seem to be trying to let the game flow more this season and also uh, they, they've 
they're not they're not falling for the for the soft files you know if, if someone pushes even if there's contact it's not it doesn't mean that you're getting a file anymore and uh, last season there was just it was just ridiculous the yeah, number no, of penalties that were given. Yeah, it, yeah. it really it ruined the game. And this season they've they've gone to the opposite extreme. So I think it's much better for football. Uh, it's much no, much more enjoyable when it's a, when it's a t- it's a hard game that guys are playing and they're not you know waiting for that little touch in the back and then falling over. Um, it's good to see. It's it's a it's a massive improvement. Yeah, look, definitely. The one thing I think, though, maybe once you get used to it, is is to also be more discernible of it because you do end up with situations like what happened with Harvey Elliott, where he ends up getting injured as a result. You know, I mean, that was a Jeez. ridiculous t- decision. Yeah, look, I mean, I think there's a difference between an absolutely shocking uh, leg breaker type tackle, which yeah. I think they're still doing well at giving giving red cards to. Um, versus, you know, someone who's just, you know, you, 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 go, you have a situation where you, you're going for the ball and you, you, you're being a defender. And, and there's a big difference between being hard and, and you know, and, and basically being completely, completely um, over aggressive in, in, your, in, in your tackles. And, and as soon as their studs up and, and legs and legs flying then i agree then it's then it's red cards for sure but uh, the the sort the more you know the the tackles that are being done within the within the, the laws of the game but our hard tackles are being allowed and i think that's great yeah no de- definitely um, I, I i i agree with you there as well and uh looking at some of the numbers as well um Cristiano Ronaldo has the well. It's either from from you know from Norwich who I'll remove him out of, but because he doesn't play that regularly. But looking at Cristiano Ronaldo specifically, he's he has the highest minutes per XG now in the game. Yeah, so it's fifty three point seven. It's miles ahead here for yeah. sure. So it looks like you know him there being you know he's really involved at the moment, and and that's good news again for for Ronaldo owners and I suppose it's going to make it very difficult for people to just move away from Ronaldo to Lukaku come game week seven yeah I think I think you can hold him for game week seven against Everton I think the real and and Leicester have been Leicester have been pretty poor as well so I wouldn't you know I wouldn't be worried about having him in game week eight either but then then the run sort of the bad fixture run really starts from game week nine yes yeah so and Ronaldo's record is notor- notoriously bad against uh, against top four, top six teams. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can actually change that because he is the type of guy that will know about that and will will really be out there to to prove everyone wrong. Um, but I, I'm very happy, you know, personally. I'm very happy with Lukaku at the stage. I think he was unlucky not to get returns on the weekend. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for flipping XG, absolute worst XG person in the world, uh, Timo Werner, uh, I think he could easily have had an assist and uh, you know possibly a few better passes, and he could have had he could have had a better opportunity on goal. But holding him for the for his fixture run, I think I think he's a must-have. Um, Salah is a must-have, and, and for me, Lukaku is a must-have, and I think Ronaldo is a, a nice to have uh, for that fixture run. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think that's about it for 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 our review of what's happened already. And yeah, we'll so we'll catch up for and do a preview of GW6 soon. Perfect. Thanks so much, Claude. Cheers, man. Keep up.